The Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. The apostles said to the Lord, Jesus, increase our faith. The Lord replied, if you had faith the size of a mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it would obey you. Who among you would say to your slave who has just come in from plowing or tending sheep in the field, come here at once and take your place at the table? Would you not rather say to him, prepare supper for me, put on your apron and serve me while I eat and drink? Later, you may eat and drink. Do you you thank the slave for doing what was commanded? So you also, when you have done all that you were ordered to do, say, we are worthless slaves. We have done only what we ought to have done. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Please be seated. Invite anybody who'd like to come up and join me for children's time. Come on up. And Tad, we're going to be kind of over here with uh, the banner. Yay. Hello, friends. Come on up. Come on up here. I want for us to take a good look at this banner here. So you can stand or sit, whatever's comfortable for you. Um, this banner was made by uh, our teenagers here at church. when We went on a retreat at camp uh, this past weekend. And part of what we did, along with a lot of other things, we made this banner. The ground with the the sky and the water and the sand, Jody Sprague made that for us. And then everything else that's on top of it was made last weekend uh, by our youth. So what do you notice? What what kind of things do you see? Shells and sandcastles? Yeah, yeah. Grace and peace to you from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Paul's letters to Timothy hold a very special place in my heart. I read them frequently when I was a teenager, especially when I was 17 and 18 years old. I was living in a new town a thousand miles away from where I grew up, going to a new church, and it was becoming clear that God was calling me to ministry and I had no idea what that meant. I read the letters again and again because they are filled with encouragement for a young person in the church. For example, Paul writes, I am giving you these instructions, Timothy, my child, in accordance with the prophecies made earlier about you, so that by following them you might fight the good fight, having faith and a good conscience. He said, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of eternal life to which you were called. And my favorite, let no one despise your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. Do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you. Put these things into practice. Devote yourself to them so that all may see your progress. But why did Timothy need this kind of encouragement? What do we know about him? Well, Timothy was from Lystra in modern-day Turkey, and he was the son of a Jewish mother and a Greek father. And it is believed that Timothy and his family were converted to Christianity by Paul himself. Timothy then became a fellow traveler and worker in the gospel with Paul. 
He's mentioned as a co-sender of some of Paul's letters. For a time, he was dispatched to support the church in Thessalonia, and later he was charged with the leadership of the church in Ephesus, one of the most important cities in the Greco-Roman world, and therefore one of the most important early Christian communities. Tradition says that Timothy eventually became the bishop of Ephesus. But biblical scholars tell us that in these letters, Timothy is portrayed as a youthful, inexperienced protege of Paul, intimidated by strong opposition, requiring the encouragement and instruction of his mentor on both personal and church matters. In our reading for today, Paul offers another encouragement. He invokes Timothy's mother Eunice and his grandmother Lois as examples of faith and a reminder that Timothy's roots run deep from generation to generation. Paul says, I have been reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. For this reason, I remind you to fan the flames the gift of God which is in you. The letters to Timothy are perfect for teens, and anyone who is dealing with self-doubt, wrestling with a sense of call or a big challenge, and who find themselves in a new or confusing situation. And they are short, so you can read them in just a matter of minutes. When I read them growing up, it felt like Paul was speaking directly to me. This past weekend, I relived some of my teenage years as I accompanied 15 of our teens on this retreat to Bear Creek Camp. We had a great weekend. We did a service project for the camp, which involved shoveling and moving lots of gravel for a new trail. We encouraged one another as we did the climbing wall and high ropes. We explored the lake, had a campfire, played games, talked and talked, and created this banner. By Saturday night, we were all exhausted, whether we wanted to admit it or not. I realize I may have the soul of a youth, but definitely not the body. On Sunday morning, we worshiped and we were joined by the camp counselors and the camp director who played guitars and led us in song. It was wonderful. And our theme for the retreat was Baptized and Beloved, which was inspired by Jesus' baptism when he, comes down out, when he comes up out of the water and the Spirit descends like a dove and the voice of God says, This is my beloved with whom I am well pleased. We remember that God calls each of us beloved, not for what we do, what we look like, sound like, how we dress, how we identify, but simply by virtue that God is love. God calls us beloved because God loves each of us utterly and completely in our own uniqueness, just as we are. This is something we all need to be continually reminded of. There are precious few places in our lives when we experience that kind of unconditional love and acceptance. It can be especially tough when you are a teenager. And so it is one of the sacred charges of any faith community, whether Thessalonia or Ephesus or Upper Dublin, to let our youth and children know that they are beloved by God and beloved by us. And so much of what we've been doing recently has been in support of that, with the big investment of time, energy, and resources, that we put into building our family ministry, understanding what our kids, youth, and families need to thrive, and being a Reconciling in Christ congregation where our kids know clearly and without a doubt that their church is a safe, accepting, and loving place for them. This is life-saving work, 
and not just spiritually, but in every other way, mentally, emotionally, and physically. It is so hard to be a kid and teen today. There is so much pressure. The world is wound so tight. And we get to be the people who reflect God's love, who let them know they are loved, valued, and accepted, that they are baptized, beautiful, and beloved, just as they are. And I want to invite you for a moment to think about when you encountered that kind of acceptance as a kid or a teen. Can you picture some of the people that let you know that you were beloved, that you were capable, that you had something to contribute, that you could make a difference? It may have been in your church growing up or another community, sports, scouts, clubs, the arts, your family or friends. I'm just gonna give us a moment to call that to mind. Can you picture the people, the faces, the names, the groups, or the places that gave that gift to you? I've been thinking a lot about that this week. Reading Timothy, going on the retreat, made me truly nostalgic. Reading about Lois and Eunice made me think about the people in the faith communities that loved me and shaped me and accepted me and lavished God's love on me just as I was when I arrived at their door. And you know that over the years I've talked a lot about my ministry mentors, but not so much about the churches themselves. And so this week, I've, I've been thinking of Salem Lutheran Church, where I was baptized and where my mom still worships and where I am still welcomed back as a native son. Holy Nativity Lutheran Church, where I was so loved as a kid and confirmed. New Life Pentecostal Church, where as a broken-hearted teenager, I was saved in more ways than one. St. Andrew's by the Sea Episcopal Church, which entrusted me with leadership as a teenager. Hayworth Chapel at High Point University, which allowed me to help steward the chapel and try on what it felt like to lead worship. The Memorial Church at Harvard, my first field education placement, where I learned the importance of being church and so much about myself. University Lutheran Church that became my church home, even when I was working in other churches on Sundays. It was the one church where I could simply be and not do. First Lutheran Church, where I got to preach and learn about welcoming immigrant communities and the transforming power of the arts. St. Francis House Homeless Shelter in Boston, where I learned to listen to the stories of those experiencing homelessness and poverty and the people who cared for them and see that there is so very little that separates us. And St. Paul Lutheran Church, my internship church, which taught me how to connect my head and my heart. I think of the countless faithful members, volunteers, and donors, the, Lo the Louises and Eunices of those places who made those experiences possible for me and for so many other kids and teens and young adults and burgeoning ministry leaders. 
In each of these places, I learned as much from the people in the pews and the sextons and secretaries as I did from my supervisors, if not more. And what a gift that we get to be those people for the generations coming after us. What a gift to pass on that message. You are beloved. To encourage them like Paul did to Timothy. To reassure them that even if your faith is as small as a mustard seed, you can still do amazing things. To share our stories and hear theirs and to tell them that no one should look down on them because of their youth. Thank you for being those people. For praying and encouraging forgiving for the care and comfort and love that you share. This is such a holy work that we have been called to do together. It is our calling and our privilege, and I've gotten to see this weekend what a difference that it makes. This weekend, I am doing three weddings, Friday, Saturday, and later today. On Friday, I married Sasha McVeigh and his wife Olivia here in our outdoor chapel. Sasha, as you may remember, was adopted along with Igor from Ukraine by the McVeigh family, and this church embraced and supported them. Yesterday, I married Rebecca Bernson, Steve and Pam's daughter, to her husband Tim. It was a ceremony filled with happy tears and deep breaths and laughter and so much heart. And later today, I will marry Joanne Jansen, who was confirmed here, to her fiancé, John. And I have to say to you, thank you and well done for loving these kids and teens and adults and helping shape the people that they are today, where they want God and their pastor to be part of one of their most important moments. I've been thinking of you all all weekend and filled with gratitude for you. I pray that God will continue to bless us with the vision and courage and heart to continue this work in this century for the sake of our kids, our youth, and our families, and for the sake of the world. May we, as Paul writes, guard the good treasure entrusted to us with the help of the Holy Spirit. For God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of love. Amen.